Hello, hello. Just another reminder, join our Discord community, the Major Domo Media Discord channel. A lot of funny comments, a lot of wonderful ways how to cook, step-by-steps, where to eat, what to eat, how to live your life a little bit more deliciously. And uh, we have some great discounts for Cometeer and 10% off for Cook Any Day and 10% off for all Momofuku products at shop.momofuku.com. We have Hot Honey Out right now and Ghost Pepper Chili Crunch amongst all of our other offerings of instant noodles, soy sauce, tamari, sesame, chili crunch. Uh, available at places like Target and Whole Foods nationwide. Yeah, we'll get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you a lot, Tango, as always. Yesterday or this weekend, I don't know what happened. I saw Chris a little bit later. We had dinner. But, um, man, it's it's like you lose time. And I, I just, every time I have to complain about having to take care of my kids for stretches of time by myself, I have no idea how single parents do it. So people were like, what'd you do this weekend? I was like, I don't even know. I didn't even step out of the house. <laughs> didn't step out once. Yeah, that's all I wanted to say is I I don't know. Like you try to think about what happened. And I was like, I literally don't even know what happened the past 48 hours. And it's now Monday. (laughs) I know what you mean, because like you were probably in the thick of it. You were doing stuff for every single second of that weekend. You're chasing a kid. You're reading a book. You're doing this. You're making lunch. But when somebody's like, what did you do? You're like, nothing. Literally nothing. I can't remember a single activity I did. Time time disappeared. uh, Just disappeared. But. I got me thinking just how awesome my youngest son's life is. He's sleeping great. <laughs> he goes to bed at 7.30. He wakes up around 7.30. He eats breakfast at 8 o'clock for about an hour. He leisurely eats. <laughs> oh, and breakfast then, takes an hour. It takes yeah. an hour for him to just like read the paper. Have and his, then he, his digests, he digests for about an hour. <laughs> and then he has his digestive, which is a bottle of milk, eight ounces. Uh-huh. At around 10, 10-ish. So like two uh-huh. hours. He's in bed by 10.30. And then he's back up at 12.30 to eat another leisurely lunch for another mm-hmm. hour. And then digest for another hour, deciding not to learn how to walk because he's too smart. <laughs> and then it, he's has another digestive of milk at 2.30. Uh-huh. And then he's back up around like 4.35. So has another leisurely lunch at five o'clock and then he goes to bed at seven 30 with another bottle of milk. It's like, it's exhausting actually. So he's basically, what you're saying is he's basically a Spanish person. Yeah. (laughs) He just lives life. Like he's in Spain studying abroad. (laughs) I mean, in some ways it's almost like gavage, right? For babies. You're just trying to feed them (laughs) as much as humanly possible. And then take a nap. Or or a little bit of how sumo wrestlers eat chanko nabe, just try to crush 4,000 calories and then nap. And then do that again when they wake up. And not a surprise, my youngest son is looking a lot like a sumo wrestler these days. <laughs> We've never discussed chanko nabe. You want to describe what that is for people? Nabe, it's basically a dashi soup with, um, it looks healthy. 
because it's got cabbage and some mushrooms, but it's basically just a, a lot of noodles. It's a, it's carb loading when you don't really do any burning of calories. Right. It's like the it's meat, meat lovers, meat lovers. Uh, not it's not right. even meat lover, meat lovers. It's also carb lovers as well. Mm-hmm. It's the sumo food. Looks pretty. It does look healthy, though. I can imagine crushing healthy. a whole one of those and being like, I did a good thing for myself. Meanwhile, I consumed, like you said, 4,500 calories. <laughs> Man, I tried to get into sumo wrestling, like understand it when I first lived there because it's on uh, seasonally. It's it's. Mm-hmm. There's certain months of the year that happens, and I just didn't understand what I was watching. How big is sumo wrestling in Japan? That's another good question. It doesn't seem like anyone really cares about it. <laughs> Nobody, I've never met anybody in my entire life who was like, oh, you know what sport I'm into? Sumo. <laughs> but really, they do care about it. And I don't, I, I guess it's almost hypnotic watching sumo because the best sumo wrestlers are like Samoan or from Hawaii. And they're all achieved Yokozuna status, which is like grandmaster. But the thing about sumo wrestling is you could wrestle anybody and, and you could be 800 pounds wrestling somebody that's, you know, 250 pounds. It's mm-hmm. crazy. My favorite sumo wrestlers are the ones that look like the body shape of a tight end, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. not like super muscular, but, you know, old school tight end husky, uh, husky. but they win. Mm. They win mm-hmm. because of leverage and all this judo-like stuff, and they understand leverage, but they're still wearing the traditional sumo thong, which is <laughs> always weird to me. <laughs> you know, all of this ba- dates back to the Shinto, I guess, and, and it's very religious in its orientation. But uh, I spent a lot of time watching it, trying to understand it, and I still don't know it. But I don't know. Did you ever go to a live one? The live ones seemed like they'd be fun. I tried to get tickets. But at the time, I didn't have any real money to do it. But it was always better. It's one of those things that are better watching it on TV, I think, anyway. Mm. The only live sporting event I've ever seen was the Yomuri Giants. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. It's been a couple decades since I was referred to as a sumo wrestler. I felt pretty... That feels good when I think back and and how long it's been since someone's called me a sumo wrestler. That's nice to think about. (laughs) Well, we got a moi for you guys today. It will be a little bit different because Noelle is still in the Philippines. We miss her. Maybe she'll come back to us. Maybe she won't. <laughs> Who knows? But um, yeah, let's get into that. Today's My Opinion is Fact is presented by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, it isn't just your business. It's your entire life. You could be in real estate or a painter that helps decorate homes. Whatever the business, you need someone who understands what it's like to have one themselves. And that's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners too. They know what it takes and how to help you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know, Ying, if you want to read one of these State Farm ads, you should because it seems like you're quite jealous of it. I literally said this to you yesterday. I was like, I told we were we were having dinner. Our families were having dinner, and I and and uh, we were talking about the State Farm sponsored moif. And I said to my wife, I was like. I'm so jealous that he gets to say that line like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. You know, I, I, I really wish I could have that Budweiser commercial aired. The one that I take a, a sip of a Budweiser, I take a bite of a bird. No, I take a bite of a cheeseburger, chew it quickly. And then I drink a Budweiser and I put it down and I look at camera. And what it, what it was, there's two different takes. I said, brood. The cold, uh, brew the hard way or something like that. What, what's the Budweiser <laughs> tagline? I brew the old-fashioned way. Oh, my God. I'm blanking out. Anyway, I take the bite of the burger. I drink the Budweiser. And I look at camera. And I have the beer in my hand. I say, Budweiser, brew the hard way. And there's another tagline that I can't remember. Never to be aired. Damn tight house laws. Going all the way back to goddamn prohibition. Was, <laughs> let's just come on. That was the highlight of my life. Let me ask you this. When you did that, was the burger good? I don't remember. I was so happy. <laughs> that day, I think, was one of the happiest days. Top 10 happiest days of my life. Because you were shooting a Budweiser? A Budweiser ad. commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Goddamn. And do, am I wrong? Did you get to go to the Budweiser factory? Yes. Then we pivoted the whole campaign into something else. But then I, I was able to spend some time drinking Budweiser at the Budweiser factory. It's really good. Like... If if you've been to the Heineken Brewery in Amsterdam, it's also delicious. And also, uh, Guinness at the factory tastes literally like, you know, 
Poseidon's ambrosia, you know, <laughs> or neck. What is it? Poseidon's, Poseidon's nectar. Ne- ne- Neptune's nectar. <laughs> anyway. What was the, I don't even remember what the, oh, the original Poseidon's nectar is the clam juice. Um, but it was, it's yeah, it was when you drink, when you drink from these breweries, they're just at a different level. They're so good. And then they're not when you can them and then okay. you sell them to the public. But it's purely a factor of like freshness Fresh, when it comes to these things. Which is why, you know, honestly, Budweiser's factories in every town in the, in the world. It's <laughs> right. amazing. It's not, not good after it's The whole fresh. process was crazy. Like how they do these taste tests with every brewery at the same time. And they've been doing it forever. Anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I was just randomly saying the state for ever doing the state farm ad makes me think about doing a Budweiser ad that never got aired. And I get to hold that over you as well. <laughs> it is a dream of mine too. Uh, we're gonna do some. We're gonna so we're gonna do this moif. I'm gonna do my best to play supercomputer here, but I think with the uh, the leaves turning outside and the air getting brisk, it's time to start talking about the bear Thanksgiving. And, I don't. <laughs> By the way, it was like I got a I got a text from Min Jin Lee, the great author. <laughs> Sometimes I forget people of note listen to this podcast. Oh man! Oh no! Yeah. What did Minjin say? She's like, "Great, great shout out! Thanks for talking about our event that we did in the New Yorker." And I'm like, "Oh my god, <laughs> we got to clean up our act." <laughs> Jerry Sauce listens to this podcast. I'm like, "Oh, I no. know, I know." Jerry listens, and to this other podcast. people of note listen to this podcast, and I, I actually question them now. It's like, why would you listen to this? Mm, I feel that. Like when people, like when you admire certain people and their intelligence and you find out that they were listening to us, <laughs> it's like finding out somebody's musical taste and be like, oh, you're into like that blue Abba D Dabba Do song. That's yeah, weird. I, I don't know. So for, for anyone that I admire, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> that you have to listen to this. Um, anyway, let's get on to the moif. But let's start talking a little turkey. Well, let's talk around turkey. Let me start with this, Chang. We got a bunch of Discord questions, but I'm going to start with one of my own. Knowing uh, personally what you have going on for Thanksgiving, what do you think? If you're a soul, if you're the, if you're solely in charge of cooking Thanksgiving dinner, you are the, you are the, the one. What is the ideal number of Thanksgiving guests to host? I, I think all of this changes throughout your lifetime. All right, from a child and that amazingness that Thanksgiving offers as a kid. You don't right, quite realize that you don't like most of your relatives and then you get to watch football, you get to eat delicious things and you get to college and you're like, oh shit, I got to come home to see my relatives and my family. Uh, I better get blacked out drunk tonight with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. really, that's really what it's all about. And then college and leads to the first, and this is where it gets into the, the, the meat of the matter, the first Thanksgiving post-college. Mm-hmm. So the question you're asking really has to be, into certain buckets. Right? All right. So actually, actually, okay. So let me, let, let me, let me start us off. Cause I agree with you. I think when you're a kid and you're not in charge of anything and you're just in charge of being there, like the more the merrier. you're just like, I want to see as many people. I love a big, busy Thanksgiving. You don't care Most how hard people it is. Start, people. Don't cook, start cooking until like you're 24, 20, 24, 25. Right. So when you get to this age and let's say you're not going home, you, are you saying you are hosting your own first Thanksgiving. Well, that's the interesting thing. Now you have Friendsgiving or you're staying at home because now what happens as a 22 year old, like shit, I got to, I got to pay for a flight. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to do that. Those prices are too expensive. I'm going to just keep it local. Mom and dad, I love you. Stay in, stay in wherever city that I'm, you know, far away from you guys, you know? So how, how do we do this? Right. Right. And usually it's, I'm hosting something or we're going to somebody that is hosting and we're bringing something. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody under the age of 30 really does a whole spread themselves. Do you think so? Yes. When I say anybody, clearly there are some people, but I, I don't recommend it. But your early Thanksgivings, you're right. Your, your first few Thanksgivings that are not with your family are generally potluck scenarios. It's like everybody brings some stuff and we have a Friendsgiving, right? Like that's, that's the thing. Because you, you you can't. I, I mean, I'm also thinking about New York City, where you might have a very small apartment with a stove that doesn't really get used that much. It's also potentially so small that you can't even put like a half hotel pan in. I've had one of those before, and 
there's no way the HVAC is going to suck out anything. You know, it's just you're going to start up, you know, you have to unplug your fire alarm, which is not recommended. recommended. So a lot of it is you're limited by the kitchen you have and the storage space in a refrigerator. And to say nothing of like seating, right? Like people are sitting on your bed and like on the TV stand because you live in a studio Ottomans apartment. become, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. Having been to those, they're not very memorable. They're memorable mm-hmm. because of the disasters that happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh my God, remember, you, you talk about it with your friends. Oh my God, remember that grease fire that was started? <laughs> remember yeah. that rug you ruined because you spilled all the gravy because we didn't have a boat. We thought we could just put a, make an aluminum cup or something like that. Whatever. <laughs> those, are, those are the friends, <laughs> Friendsgiving that I remember. And they're never really memorable. They're memorable for the lack of material possessions you need to properly cook a Thanksgiving meal. Right. And those meals are generally eaten between like midnight and 1 a.m. when everyone's finally finished cooking. This yeah, that, that's another thing. They happen like so late. So late. So late that you probably are drunk and stoned by the time it happens. Mm-hmm. It's a, you have it's no it's recollection just not, of this thing. It's just, and you don't know what you're doing. You mm-hmm. don't know. And we're not talking about people that have beautiful kitchens and know how to do that, that you know, are faking it. Like we're talking about just normal post 22 year old people cooking. So I don't yeah. think this really apply is applicable to anybody that is just like starting out on their own. Okay. Right. So what's the, what's the next phase after like, you've just, you're just starting out on your own. And I don't want to hear it from any, what is the generation of young people that are 22 to 28 years old? They're like, oh, right dude, now? look how fucking sick my spread is. I'm like, <laughs> Okay, then then either you're independently wealthy or you're, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. I don't get anybody that has a sick spread on their own dime. Just It's just not realistic. Do you agree yeah. with that statement? Yeah, it's, unless if you have, yeah. It's, doing that is so expensive. A Thanksgiving spread is expensive. Unless and, like, like and then, a, in those spreads, it's also like, who has fucking plates and forks for more than three people? Unless you're like one of these YouTube superstars that, you know, makes a shit ton of money and they're young and they do it and that's like their content, right? I just don't think for the majority of people that are young adults, making a beautiful Thanksgiving is something you do. I think you do it just to hang and to show some kind of independence. So no, I, I, I don't, I think it's whoever can fit into your apartment or your flat or the house that you're renting. That's the number. Side question, paper plates, overrated or underrated? You got it. This is where I'm sorry about the environment. You got to go full styrofoam here. <laughs> full styrofoam? Yeah. Oh, man. I have not had a styrofoam plate in a while. Why styrofoam over the... Oh, because just structural integrity. Structural integrity. <laughs> it's it's like... Uh, I hear where you're coming from. It, it is insane that we eat off of styrofoam. <laughs> I like, well, the reality is I wonder... I'm just saying, what what's more uh, uh, green? Using three to four paper plates for one plate or one styrofoam plate. What's more green? Well, no one should ever eat off those like super flimsy paper plates that are basically just like a piece of printer paper. When I say styrofoam, I'm also talking about those those plastic ones that are made out of red cup. You know, solo. Oh, like the solo cup. Okay, so plastic or styrofoam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the I like the the red, and they make the red plates. They're festive, right? And and <laughs> and and again, what's good about that is it, you you can separate the sauciness with the the dividers, the childlike dividers on those plates. Oh uh, yes, because they just have the three compartment. So, you know, I I wonder what's the age range when you start to take it seriously, and you are now inviting your in laws. That's how I think the age range counts, right? Whatever the age range is, is when your parents or siblings come to your house. That's where I feel like this is the most interesting and the most applicable for the number of people that you're going to be cooking for. Yeah. I think that for, for me, that was probably 28, 28 is when I started hosting Thanksgiving myself. 44. (laughs) Was your first time? Yeah. And when, okay, so put us in that But I also place. remember, I remember when I was cooking at Kraft and then I, uh, Marco Conor got, it was like, you know, if you want to buy a turkey, there's this great farmer. I can't remember who the farmer was and you can get these beautiful birds. And I was like, yeah. And then I remember that I had the weekends off and Thanksgiving fell on the weekend and I had the weekends off because 
I was unnecessary to be there for important days. <laughs> and I took the train down. <laughs> and I remember it's off at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Not a good, not I, a good I sign. I remember brining, brining the bird. And we should talk about this one. Brining was really in, mm-hmm. you know, 2001. And I remember bringing the bird in a trash bag, in a duffel bag on the train, this giant, like 20 pound, 30 pound bird. I made a galantine out of it. And I also like, I made two different, it was such a big turkey that I made two different things out of it. Stuffed it. It was beautiful. Tied the whole thing. I spent so much time making this beautiful Thanksgiving for my family. And that was the last time I really cared about making a beautiful Thanksgiving. That's a whole different thing is when you were younger and you're a professional cook, you're like, I got to flex. I got to show everybody that I know how to do it. And then that disappears almost immediately and you never cook that ever again. But going back to, you know, when you're bringing people over to your house or your abode, I think the, the, the right number is probably the no more than 12. Is that from a cooking logistics standpoint? Yeah. Yeah. Huge. What happens when you get, I mean, most people, if you don't have them cooked in a restaurant, most people have not cooked for more than four people. Well, well, this goes back to last year's whole great baking pie or buying pie debate. The person that's usually, I feel this happens a lot. If you haven't cooked and you never really cook all year long, don't make this your first time. You <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not going to be good. Right. You have to plan <laughs> accordingly. And I don't, I think a lot of the recipes that you look at from, you know, the food media where they always publish all these turkey this and perfect sides that they always underest under underwrite how um, it's just not enough food. Hmm. Like like a like a 20 pound turkey. What do they say? Uh, I can't remember what it is, but like a 15 pound bird, they say is like eight to 10 people. What is the ratio? Let's bring that up. I think they generally say a pound per person, a pound or a pound and a half per person. Right. So I'm at delish.com. They say four <laughs> people can get a five pound bird. You know, uh, uh, 10 people is a 13 pound bird. So I wasn't that wrong, like 15 pounds. So the problem of that is it's not accounting for leftovers and it's not accounting for people eating white meat or dark meat. So there's always at my household, no one's really eating and everyone's going after the thighs. So I think you need to cook. 50% larger turkey for whoever is the recommended audience. Mm-hmm. And I would rather cook two 15-pound birds than one 30-pound bird. I don't think you should cook a giant turkey. If you're going to cook a giant turkey, you should get two smaller birds. So I think that's one thing is just like the amount that you can feed turkey to, right? If you're a turkey household. But I think 12 is the, the right amount for the threshold of maximum, like the maximum capacity, simply because of serving dishes. There's so many things that go wrong if you're cooking for people. Number one is before you even start cooking anything, you need to identify how many serving dishes that you have. Mm-hmm. That should, that's going to dictate what kind of Thanksgiving you're going to cook. Mm-hmm. And can you, can you trust if anyone that's coming is going to bring something, whether it's a pie or some celebratory dish that's a family recipe? And the reason I say 12 being maximum, that's pretty much the maximum for any household that you can store for food while having enough food to eat outside of Thanksgiving. I think it's about 10 to 12 is probably the maximum number for a normal household to cook for. Anything more, you're going to have to store food in a, we're talking about one, one refrigerator, one freezer type of thing. And not every household lives in cold weather where you can store food outside. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's the max is, is pretty much one turkey. Uh, which is honestly, you can't, can you do more? Can you, I would, I just would never recommend cooking a 30 pound turkey and a 30 pound bird. I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Isn't 12 about the max? <laughs> cooking, cooking a 30 pound turkey is so insane. It's like, how, how is the, just thinking on like a physical level, it's like radiant heat comes from outside this turkey. How long is it going to take for the inside of your 30 pound turkey to cook? Like it, it's, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like you'll never create a turkey that you actually want to eat when it's 25 pounds. Like you've got to do two separate turkeys. And honestly, like everybody likes that Rockwell big brown whole bird at the table, but like breaking down a turkey is the way to do it in my opinion. Yeah. But I, I feel like most people will never break down a turkey beforehand because you do lose that, you know, beautiful thingy. Well, okay, so that's a thing that let's let's go back before we get to the next Moif question. I do. You brought up the flex period, the flex era 
of a young person's life where they are making their first like Thanksgiving. And whether you're a cook or not, the flex period exists where you're just like, I reject all tradition. I reject everything that I know to be definitely delicious in favor of doing backflips and doing crazy stuff at the table and trying to impress people that way. Like, is that the worst period of a Thanksgiving cook's development is the flex period? I don't know if it's everybody, but I do know from talking to culinary friends in the business that when you're younger, you're just trying to show to your relatives, look at me. Mm-hmm. I'm awesome at this, right? right? And I, I remember making a galantine. You know what a pain in the ass is to debone a turkey, confit the, the dark meat, butterfly out the white meat, make a farce, roll out the skin, and you can make a huge donger of a galantine. A galantine is basically when you, <laughs> you know, butterfly a bird and you torque it into a, like a, a giant tube of meat, right? Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. It is also an extraordinary amount of work for turkey. I, I rec- you know, I, I've never done it again. And I think that should tell you a lot. <laughs> I just, I, I think there, it just like buys into that thing you were talking about with like the magazines telling you this and that, and you know how to make the perfect Thanksgiving finally and get your perfect turkey and your perfect stuffing and and all of this. And I remember, you know, for many years, like I rejected all of the stuff that I knew my family wanted to eat. Like my brother just likes smashed yams with brown sugar and fucking broiled marshmallows on top. And I was like, that is crass. That is trash. I refuse to make that. Instead, like, eat these Japanese sweet potatoes that I have whipped with maple syrup and sour cream and, you know, piped out into fucking beautiful designs. And it's like, nobody wants that. Like, who are you pressing? I'm glad the world gets to know your snobbery. And elitism. I'm That's a total, total snob. Total, total snob. But I have, I have since righted the ship. I remember growing up and learning about dinosaurs. And do you remember, like, they're dumb. They got small brains. They're cold, <laughs> cold-blooded. Yes. Everything we learned about dinosaurs as a child is wrong. Everything. <laughs> so, uh-huh. I, again, like, I, I want to retroactively get my report card changed because I was right and they were wrong. But... I say that simply because it's a mixture of cultural taste changing plus with science changing the curriculum of what you do. I find it interesting that how we cook Thanksgiving has changed dramatically over 20 years that I've been cooking professionally. It's really, or I guess 25 years, Jesus, I'm fucking old. Um, because I do remember, I remember Alton Brown doing that whole brining a turkey thing, and that sort of started a trend in food media. We've got a brine. We've got a brine. It all became about brining. If you look all the way to all the food magazines, just around till 10 years ago or 2011, 2010, everything changed. But before 2011, 2010, everything was about a wet brine. Right. And then suddenly it was like, have you heard of the dry brine? Dry brine? You mean (laughs) salting? Salting. Exactly. It's another another reverse year. Uh, yeah. Dry bride. Dry bride. It's just like throwing some salt on there. Salt, you mean? You mean salt seasoning it? it? Yeah. You mean curing it? Um, so it all became the dry brine, but it didn't take. And there was a lot of pushback. Wet brine versus dry brine. Like it was Israeli Palestine bullshit. Like it just didn't. People were getting mad about that. Because then you still had converts that were even still learning about the wet brine. So as information became more available, you you had a whole three different groups, no brine, wet brine, dry brine. <laughs> and then the wet brine really turned into, this is when <laughs> you could just see how it, it like flattens out in food media. So it became just wet brine with a potpourri of spices from around the world. And that's how you were able to turn it to Jamaican turkey, uh, Indian turkey, whatever. Like, just that now all of a sudden makes it fucking turkey? Right. I mean, like, uh, from another country? No. And then the dry brine thing happened. And then something else happened in terms of the the change in making turkey. was the spatchcock. Happened between 2011 to present day. Now it's all pro spatchcock. I, I... I find it funny because it's all about what's next. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they be better served just being like 
we have been making turkeys for 38, 40 years. This is the best turkey recipe, and we'll just run it every year <laughs> because this is we have established this is the best thing. But you don't need to do year. a new way. Why, 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 like, why would you do it that? It can't possibly be better every year. <laughs> like that's the thing. So you're telling me they're not in the business of my best interest? <laughs> I don't think they are, Dave. I don't think they're they're in the business of your best interest. Because now, 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 now it's just changed. Now it's like don't base your turkey. But it used to be base like a motherfucker. <laughs> Right, right, man. It used to be and, definitely, definitely get the butter every there and make a compound butter and stuff. It blah blah blah. Now it's like, don't do that. Use oils. Mm-hmm. It's like, can we just agree that the people that think they know everything and that publish these recipes know nothing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're just hopping on the bandwagon. Yeah, I mean, there it's it's built on it's the same thing as fucking beauty magazines, man. It's, it's I'm going to tur- show you shaming. An, there's an example, and I'm not just calling out Bon Appetit here because I have a lot of friends that work there, so I'm going to get shit for it. For the best best Thanksgiving gravy, add chili crisp. It adds texture, heat, and umami. And I'm going to say no, don't do that. I think that's mm-hmm. a horrible idea. Well, that's just me. <laughs> why would you? Why would you do that? Your relatives are not going to like spicy gravy. You know who's going to fucking hate that? Your dad. <laughs> dad is dad's not going to like chili crisp in the gravy, guys. That's Just not a good idea. Just have, have it on the side. I, I don't. I don't understand. But that's uh, a for- that's a friend's giving tip. That's for like when you're just hanging out with your friends who are also, by the way, not going to like it. <laughs> like that's the thing. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. Well, this is a, this is an interesting one because because War Chortle, good old War Chortle on the Discord, threw this one out there, and I'm 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 curious, I'm genuinely curious what your answer is because I think it's going to be different than what people assume it is. I've been trying to lobby my family to not do turkey. Can you have Thanksgiving dinner without turkey? I'm going to cook a turkey this year, even though I don't want to. Every year I cook a turkey because, again, I think it has less to do about the perfection of the food. It really is, and I think this is something that people need to remind themselves. No fail turkey, perfect turkey, perfect Thanksgiving sides. It's like, no, nothing's going to be perfect. Something's always going to be wrong. You're going to burn something. Something's going to be under season. You're getting together to celebrate an antiquated ritual based around a turkey. So make a fucking turkey if you want. Like, it doesn't mean anything. I think it depends on the group of people, right? If they're open to celebrating something that isn't like necessarily food or turkey based, then I think, yeah. But if you are, it's just, you got to read the room here. If people want to celebrate the past and it's been based because, you know, someone's family member made a turkey every year or whatever, it's like, yeah. But if you aren't tied to any family traditions, then I think, yeah, get rid of it. I'm doing it simply because I've now learned having trying to go against the grain for years. I've been anti-turkey. I'm now assimilated. I'm like, fuck it. I don't want to. I, I don't want. I don't want to let people down. You know what I mean? Like just because I feel like that way, I don't want someone else to feel robbed. So at the very least, what I've learned is make the fucking turkey for the Thanksgiving single fans, and then make something else mm-hmm. for people. Right? That isn't turkey based. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think like there's a. I think people just want like the the easiest, most contrarian attitude to take is like fuck turkey. I'll never make turkey at Thanksgiving. But like. Who are you trying to impress? And also, like what you just said, Dave, is is the the truth of it, which is if you want to make people happy, if the point of of hosting people is to make them happy, then you got to give them what they're expecting, what they want to some some level. Like give them the fucking turkey. Unless a turkey killed your brother or something, like make a turkey. 
I might simply to have a gravy. I haven't decided yet. There's a good chance I'll do a smoked turkey, a very small turkey, and and then uh, something else. I don't know what for the main proteins. So what are you thinking about? Okay, so you're what you're getting into is my next moif question here. Thanksgiving turkey is not a strong enough actor to pull off a castaway type of movie. It needs a co-star. So what are I the think best co-star you know, options? Scary to me. If you go to a place and like they think it's an awesome, and listen, some people can afford to do it and they get what they want. I've learned that over the years, right? A turkey is it and there's nothing else. But for people that think that they're being great guests and I mean, great hosts and they're cooking amazing Thanksgiving, the people that have the ego to think they're doing something amazing. I mean, it's a rarity, but you can't just have turkey. You can't. Right. There are people that only have one protein and that's turkey. Poor souls. I don't include ham as a second protein. I include that as a side. That's not part of the protein. Because that's where a lot of people raise them. But we have turkey. I mean, we have turkey and we have ham. I'm like, no. Ham's a side. <laughs> I'm talking about like turkey and fried chicken. Turkey and bosab. Turkey and, uh, you know, 109 prime rib. You know, turkey and something. It's got to be more. Than just turkey. Turkey and kalbijim. It sounds like you have not quite decided on your co-star. Like, talk us through your your thought process and figure I know and what my co-star is going to be. I'm going to make my mom's... Uh, it's always been. This is the tradition. Her, her Korean kalbijim. I'm going to make that for sure. Last year, I made oxtails. This year, since all my my brothers and sisters are coming over, I'm going to make my mom's kalbijim to, to the like exact sort of like standard that she would make it, not my interpretation. So that'll be it. But I'll have probably two turkeys. I'll have a smoked turkey. And because I need, you just still need a brown bird for people to feel like they're having Thanksgiving. So that's what I'm going to do. I might have three proteins and a side ham. (laughs) Why do you say, why do you say ham is a side? Nobody's eating a ham as their main protein. (laughs) And should you be, what if you, what if you're making the ham, like you're making your own ham? That's not, it's still a side. Well, I guarantee you it's not going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) It's honey baked or nothing, right? No, because listen, first of all, you're probably not buying a ham at the grocery store. You're just not. When's the last time you saw a ham at the grocery store? So if you're going to go through the trouble to special order a ham, buy it from somebody that that is their job. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. There's so many great ham companies. And I'm not talking about the, you know, Allen Bentons of the world, just general honey baked ham using that crappy commodity pork that I'm sure they use. It's still delicious. Honey baked ham. Whew, so good. I do, I do think, I do think you're right that it's like, it's not even, I would go even further and say that that ham is not even a side. Ham is like a garnish. Like you get a little bite, of, you get a little piece of ham. It's like a, it's like a pickle no, on the no, side. No, this is where everyone is wrong, and this is where you're wrong as well. Ham isn't a side. I mean, like that, like the garnish. Ham is your star for your leftovers. <laughs> uh huh. That ham is, goes home with everybody. No, but ham is also just so good as a leftover. <laughs> like, I'd much rather eat leftover ham than turkey. Oh, ham is, I see what you mean. That ham is like in Hall of Fame is in terms of like foods that keep as leftovers. Yes. Absolutely. You know how to make that turkey sandwich better? Slice Add of ham. some ham. Add some ham. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, speaking of things that you buy from the store rather than make, Catherine from Discord says, agree or disagree, these are the Thanksgiving dishes that are better straight from the can box or kit versus fancified or homemade versions. Cranberry sauce, stuffing, green bean casserole. You can buy green bean casserole in a can? I don't think so. I think you can buy the canned French onion, like the, the onions, and you can buy the canned mushroom soup and stuff. I don't understand cranberry sauce. And like I made cranberry sauce from scratch one year and Grace just ate the can. <laughs> Again, it has less to do about deliciousness, and I think you're, it's the power of nostalgia. It's, you know, that's why you got to read the room. I think can, 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 canned cranberry sauce is really delicious. Well, here's the thing. Every time I've ever made homemade cranberry sauce, I've been like, 
what do I have to do now to make this taste better? So There's nothing you can do here, to make it taste better than a can. Here's the hack. You puree a couple cans of cranberry sauce in a blender. Uh-huh. And then you microwave some fresh frozen cranberries in, in some of that, right? With some sugar, s- some lime juice, maybe lime zest, or any kind of citrus. And you fold it in. So it's a mixture of the two. So you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> But no, no. What is the best of the home? Oh, there's no best. It's just use the canned stuff, right? Like, but you can make it look like it was homemade. Okay. Sa- if it's Sandra, if it's Sandra a- Lee shit. <laughs> okay, semi homemade. Got it. Uh, another question from the Discord: How many starches? Overall? Also, going back, going back to that, those fried shallots. Don't buy the fried shallots in the can. Go to your Asian Martin. Buy the fried Vietnamese shallots. Everyone should have a tub of those. It's a game changer. You can add it to salads. It's something that you will have. Don't buy the French's onions. I mean, don't. And that's what you're going to add. Yeah, I, 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 green bean casserole. I love it. It's delicious. But I'm, I don't, I, I made it almost every year. I make it from scratch, like the roux and the mushrooms. I think I'm going to continue to do that because the cream of mushroom can is not for me. It's pretty gross. I think I can make it more delicious than the can, but I have no problem with the canned cream of mushroom what's your stuffing game boxed or homemade then i'm gonna do a uh, pepperidge farm or stovetop and i'm gonna do a traditional sage stuffing sage sausage stuffing one for sure from scratch (laughs) there will be no cornbread no cornbread stuffing cornbread stuffing is you're out i can't do it and i'm not calling it a dressing you know, because that's technically what I think the people in South would consider it because stuffing is should be something stuffed in a bird. But I don't, mm. I just, dressing to me just, you know, doesn't seem like the right word. What about oyster stuffing? No. Again, I don't understand it. And no. I, I If I'm going to shuck oysters, I'm going to serve them on the half shell. Yeah. I, I think like, I've made, I've made the traditional oyster stuffing before. I'm like, what's the big deal? I don't get it. They just like basically disappear and shrivel into nothing in a stuffing, right? Yeah, just you know, if you want to make guests happy, just do oysters Rockefeller. Same shit. You're gonna have all the ingredients. User GP says, "I need to know what the appropriate schedule for the actual dinner event should be. I prefer to eat as early as possible for those delightful leftover meals well throughout the rest of the day." I never understood this, but what time do you guys actually eat Thanksgiving? Well, it depends. Growing up, it was like we'd have to do yebe, like prayer and all this stuff for like two hours beforehand. Mm -hmm. So it was whenever that ended. For me, for me, I think historically it's been around like three to five o'clock. Oh, interesting. Dinner's too late. Okay. We always ate it at dinner time. But so three or four four or five o'clock? Three o'clock. It's because also like if you're cooking that turkey, you're starting in the morning. So I, I don't know how people do it for lunch. Because you're just getting up like you're making Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Like, no, you're not getting it that early to fucking make Thanksgiving. You got to start around 8 o'clock and you get everything done by 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Oh, this will be fun. Talk me through a hypothetical you're mapping out your cooking timing for the day on Thanksgiving. Every year I do this, it, it's more and more sandbaggery. <laughs> Last year, I picked up smoked turkey, mashed potatoes, and all the sides. Just because I wanted backup. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, I want to make sure I back up. I may not make enough and know that because I'm making qu- a lot of quantity. So I'd rather buy the backups to stuff. So I'm probably going to do that again. And also, disasters always are going to happen. Something's going to burn. Something's going to happen. And I want to have insurance. That's my insurance. So backup. And, and you can just keep that reheated. So that's the first thing I'm going to do. Pick up stuff that I haven't cooked, but I want to make it look like I did. Okay. Okay. First, first thing. And I might do that the day before, right? But Mm -hmm. a lot of it depends on your refrigeration and your storage. The reason to do this is so I almost have to cook zero the day off with the exception of maybe cooking the turkey. That's about it. So I would, I, I think that's important. Like you need to know what you need to do. Maybe you need to rent a table or whatever, but you need to look at what you have and what you have a, an understanding of the, the platters, the silverware. Then you're going to figure out what the max amount of people that you can invite if they haven't already been invited. And then you can start planning out the menu. So I'm going to start in earnest probably cooking like 
four to five days in advance of it. As far as five days for what? Like making stock or something? What's yeah. five days out? I mean, when I say that, prep as much as I can. Whatever vegetables need to be cut down, potatoes need to be peeled, whatever. Like all of that stuff is starting to like get cooked in advance. So like when I really start to cook, it's probably like 72 hours in advance. The reason I want to do 72 hours in advance at max for actual cooking of raw product is because of food poison. It's around, what is it? 72 to four hours, four days. That's when food becomes like sort of unsafe after you cook it. So like I want enough of a window where I cooked it ahead of time, where it gives people at least a day to eat stuff the day after. So mashed potatoes reheat extremely well. Like knock that out. Green bean casserole, knock that out. So I would knock one of these major sides in advance. The reason why I might cook a turkey in advance is just to get the, the stock. So like I might prep out all of the, the stuffing. So I might roast off the vegetables the day before the sausage and get all the ingredients together with the exception of the stock, depending on when you're cooking that turkey. I'm going to do that all within you know 48 to 78 hours. So all the major sides I'm doing. The, the thing that I'm going to do day of is probably cook the turkey. Um, if I'm making a bosom, either I'm buying that from Momofuku, which I might do, or um, cook that ahead of time too. Like, cause that's just going to reheat the kalbi gym that I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to do that 72 hours in advance. Cause it's going to be better. It's a lot easier too, if you're in colder weather, cause then you can just start keeping a lot of dishes outside, especially if you have a deck away from animals. But if you're, uh, you know, limited and you don't have any outdoor space and you only have one refrigerator, that's why you really have to plan this out. The thing that gets miscalculated is you need to make sure you have enough storage for other food because if people are coming over, they have to eat other shit. So that that's the hardest uh, calculation is the storage in your refrigerator for other foods that you didn't plan on having. You need like organiza- you need organization around that because inevitably what happens in my house is like if you try to make something three days in advance, some fucker will find it and start eating it three days in advance, or they'll come, they'll go out and be like, Oh, we went to lunch here. Are all our leftovers hope there's room yeah. in the fridge. And you're exactly. like, fuck you guys. So seven, seven days in advance, you start, you don't order any food. Yeah. That's new. You just on a cleanse of your refrigerator. Cause you're trying <laughs> to get it down to nothing. Right. Right? What's here is all we're eating for the next week. That's yeah. It. Because you also need to do another grocery run for other things. So, but your priority isn't the other stuff. It's all the stuff that you can fit in your refrigerator. And then you pack it in with other stuff. You also have to remember the reason why you want to start cooking and breaking things down in advance. When I say breaking things down, taking the raw vegetables just to the point where you're going to cook it. And that's really what restaurants do. And then putting those into containers, which is why it's important to plot everything out beforehand to measure out your refrigerator space. More people get sick because they're just not handling food safely. That's what you are trying to avoid. So, you know, in terms of the main sides, potatoes, green bean casserole, sweet potatoes, uh, stuffing, you know, you're doing that in advance. And if you don't really need to make a turkey stock, then you can do the stuffing in advance. And you're just reheating. The only thing I'm planning on doing the day of is cooking the turkey. That's it. That's your, your only thing you got to do. And will maybe make it bread. Bake oh, and making and bacon, making bread. But again, like I did that last year and I overproofed it because I didn't have time, you know, to like get it done right. Because I'm definitely, I don't know. Because at the same time, like you want to have enough to do so you don't have to interact with people. <laughs> okay. This is the thing. This is a key component in the leverage to being the quote unquote cook of the Thanksgiving. If you're not excited about chit chat, which I'm not, then your perfect excuse to avoid everybody is like, I, I'm busy cooking so you gotta keep busy cooking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. watching a turkey is not enough which is why i'm gonna throw it out there it's crazy as it sounds making bread is actually maybe the best bet you've got to busy yourself you got to look busy you gotta, you gotta look, look busy. busy you gotta look busy <laughs> which is why I'm, uh, the other thing i'm gonna say is you got to make the side vegetables that day right whether it's brussels sprouts or some bullshit that some food magazine told you to make <laughs> like what, Shank? Like, what are we talking like about? Like, let's here? just throw I guarantee you there's probably a winter winter root vegetable thing of fennel. What are all the root vegetables you can get? Parsnip, roasted parsnips, celeriac, celeriac pomegranate, seeds, garnish. Um, 
you know, Vatavan spice, carrots, Vatavan <laughs> spice, and fennel fawns, and some bullshit like that. You know, anything, anything that's basically just like all the root veg roast, the root veg roast, the root. <laughs> you can busy yourself making mostly a root it's veg comprised roast. of Brussels sprouts, right? right? But really, let's just call this dish what it is. I got a fucking vegetarian coming, and this is what they're going to eat, right? And or, you're gonna spend. You're gonna make this dish, and nobody's gonna eat that. It's basically <laughs> leftovers filler. This is a leftover bag for people that you know. It's rabbit. They food. open. They get home and they open it up. They're like, "Fuck, I got a lot of this yeah. goddamn root veg <laughs> shit." Here's the thing: you don't even serve it. You just like you make this so you look busy, and then you just pack it all up to go for everybody. <laughs> just send it out there. <laughs> no, but no, nobody wants to eat your kabocha or acorn acorn squash. <laughs> Nobody. You know, the last thing I, you know the last thing I want is that big bowl of spaghetti squash you guys were playing and shredding for me. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to eat that. Just leave that away no, for me. The entire gourd family and root vegetable family <laughs> and whatever bullshit recipe that they're telling you to cook it on and like cook it all in 25 minutes on a sheet tray, whatever the fuck. Like whatever that recipe is, you got to do the day of too. Because yeah. it's again, one more thing to keep you looking like you're busy. Because if you, this is like real high level graduate program, Caltech, MIT, graduate level program, sandbaggery, right? <laughs> you're cooking everything in advance as much as you can, but the day of, it's an illusion that you're busy. You got to put some flour on your fucking apron because you got the, you're cooking the bread, you know? But the thing is, you have a backup to your bread. You've already purchased Parker House Rolls or whatever, but they don't need to know that. Mm-hmm. And the turkey, you're, you're just like, you got, you're, so you're making the turkey, you're making the gravy, and you're making the veg side that nobody's going to eat. That should make it seem like it's enough. Because now you have all the food out. You got to time it all out. And the other thing that you have to put into consideration is you got to rotate things out of your oven to reheat. If you've been a, a, a if you've taken my master class in sandbagger, you've now done everything, right? They're now in containers, which is why this is when, if you don't have the containers, this is a good time to invest in the aluminum foil pans because you can just reheat. It's always good to have the, the lid on it so you can steam or put things in a microwave. And you just need to figure out a schedule of when you're going to reheat things. Because there's nothing worse than getting room temp mashed potatoes or room temp, you know, green bean casserole. I think it needs to be just warm, right? So you need to make sure that everything's hot. And that juggling process is a lot of time. So between that, looking at an oven, like turn on the light and just looking at it, like looking at it. And looking at it. <laughs> hey, hey, Dave. Oh, hold on a second. I'm, I'm busy. I'm looking at this turkey right now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't look after the kids. I, 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 uh, you want me to burn this turkey? Uh, yeah, I can't. I got to look at the turkey cooking in the oven. I got to stir this roux. Right. Dave, can you go get the door? Oh, no, I'm working on the root veg roast. <laughs> the all this show. cutting. All this cutting. The recipe calls for Macedon cuts. I don't even know what that is, but I, I, I got I to do it. You think this spaghetti squash is going to shred itself? If, if it, I don't shred it, it won't look like spaghetti. But I, I want people to take really seriously that, like, I, you know, I think there are some people who be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't sandbag Thanksgiving. Like, it's all about, like, freshly cooked food. But I think people wrong. should really take this wrong. seriously. Because, like, they're wrong. Just based on this logic alone. Listen, no, everyone, no, no. Based on this logic, no restaurant does what you're talking about. <laughs> No one's making stuffing all of a newt. Hmm. No one's making that. You might say, hmm, what about a sushi restaurant? No, wrong. <laughs> sushi is the darkest arts of sandbaggery. Yeah, yeah. We're, you think they that fool fish everyone. Comes in, like, yeah. It looks like a little block of, sushi, of fish ready to be sliced. Everything's been pre sliced. Everything's been fucking pre portioned. Everything's been pre planned to make it seem like it wasn't, right? I'm just saying, you want to cook things all of a newt that need to be cooked all of a newt. But nothing in Thanksgiving needs to be all a minute except for, say, the meat. If you're doing a rack of lamb or a rib roast, yes, you need to do that the day of. So any of your, your star, right, your number 10 on a soccer field, your, you know, your number nine, your striker, you, you, that's all you got to do. You know, the day of, you just got to score goals. You're not passing. You just got to be Erling Holland. You just got to score fucking goals. You just got to cook the turkey. That's all you got to fucking do. All right. And make it look like like you're playing defense. Like who gives it? You know what I mean? Like 
<laughs> I think that I think you're right. And I, I think that honestly, people always say that like the best part of Thanksgiving is the leftovers. Well, if that's true, then why don't you just serve leftovers for Thanksgiving? <laughs> why don't you just serve food that was made the day before? Can we can, if, we, can we can we unravel this lie? I love Thanksgiving leftovers, right? Do I love it because my relatives aren't there? Do I love it because I have some semblance of quiet and I can just do this and I can eat it on my own? Mm -hmm. Because is it actually better? Do I really want to make a turkey pot pie? Do I really want to make a turkey soup from the carcass? No. If turkey sandwiches are so good with cranberry sauce, they'd be available year round. (laughs) No, Thanksgiving leftovers Turkey leftovers was invented by the same people that the same marketing firm that told the world that the Greeks invented yogurt. <laughs> Fage. Fage is no. responsible for turkey leftovers. <laughs> turkey leftovers. It's true. Well, I think we're going to do a bunch more of this sort of holiday-themed moifing brought to you by State Farm. Listen, just want to set the record straight. We're pro-wet brining. <laughs> we're pro-adding... Vodavon spice to your turkey this year. Yeah. Make we're sure you guys adding, stock, stock up on juniper. Juniper yeah, so is very important. <laughs> we're, we're pro making a kimchi cornbread stuffing. <laughs> we're pro making a Japanese gratin no. pie sweet potato mm-hmm. concoction. With, mm-hmm. not, with, with, with meringue, not marshmallows. Mm-hmm. We're, we're pro. What else can you make that would be a joke? <laughs> what else can you make that would be a joke? Uh, yeah, we're, we we think that if you like oh. pumpkin pie, you should try our pumpkin pie tamales <laughs> new, this year. The new hot thing I'm sure somebody will write about is cartoons. Your family oh, members won't even know what hit them. <laughs> Neither will you. <laughs> Listen, if you've never made cartoons before, why not do it on the most important cooking day of the year <laughs> for all your friends and family? <laughs> Go out and find some cartoons. Oh my god! Uh, or 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 this this actually could happen three years from now, twenty twenty six. You know, get rid of your stuffing and serve samosa chop. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's already been. I'm pretty sure that's already out there, dude. I'm pretty sure that's out there. You know right. the best. You know the best way to eat your turkey, your leftover turkey, in a dosa. Coming to you in twenty twenty six. Right. It's totally like Rita is the new gravy. <laughs> <Just like. laughs> Move over, crepes. The John Bing. <laughs> make this make this Thanksgiving mala with Sichuan peppercorns. Like, no, I don't want Check to. out this new 10-minute recipe that will have your relatives clamoring forever when they <laughs> don't longer want to eat your pecan pod, but they want your quick mochi pie. <laughs> the mochi pie yeah no there's definitely gonna be one that's just like the turducken of pies it's a pumpkin a pecan and an apple pie rolled into one let me tell you this new flavor that's just gonna just dominate your thanksgiving talk is the new pandan pecan pie <laughs> <laughs> why serve them spiced apple cider for your thanksgiving meal mulled cider when you could do spiked vietnamese coffee <laughs> we are in favor move. of all these things. So, so look out for some new <laughs> recipes. Move over, car dudes. <laughs> We're gonna give you some summer rolls. <laughs> move over, car dudes. No Thanksgiving is complete without a persimmon salad. No. Cloves aren't Sorry. just good for ham. They're great for your mashed potatoes, too. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel like we legitimately covered real things that are going to happen. Anyway, today's My Opinion is Fact was presented by State Farm. There's nothing more personal than a small business. It takes dedication, patience, and, of course, a lot of hard work. State Farm agents are small business owners, too. And they're ready to put in the hard work to help you pick personalized policies that fit your small business needs. Chris, take it over from here. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Give us five stars and make some of these 
fictitious recipes that we just said. I think that they could be really good. Move over, malt cider. Make spiked Vietnamese coffee. Ha, ha, ha.